I'd like us to look at the uh, Bible reading for today and then to worship as a response to what we hear this morning. So the reading comes from John's Gospel. Uh, We've been following John's Gospel in our morning services and we're up to chapter 9 and we'll read from verse 1 to 41. I'd like to uh, read it from the message version. It's such a brilliant story. I've read this story so many times this week. It's just fab. And I've read it in various versions of uh, the scriptures. And I'd like to read it for you in the message version. And uh, I think that's the version that's on the screen. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here. Working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this and then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. The man went and washed and saw. Just thought I'd pause there just for you to take that in. (laughs) Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who year after year had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, why isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said it's him all right, but others objected. It's not the same man at all. It just looks like him. He said, it's me, the very one. They said, how did your eyes get opened? A man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it in my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. I did what he said, I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. They marched him to the Pharisees. This day, when Jesus made the paste and healed the blindness, was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, he put a clay paste on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, obviously this man can't be from God, he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others counted, how can a bad man do miracles? God revealing things like this. There was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews didn't believe it. Didn't believe the man was born blind to begin with. So they called the parents of the man, now bright-eyed with sight. They asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? So how is it that he now sees? His parents said, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he came to see. Haven't got a clue about who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him? He's a grown man and can speak for himself. His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who took a stand 
that this was the Messiah would be kicked out of the meeting place. That's why his parents said, ask him, he's a grown man. They called the man back a second time, the man who had been blind, and told him, give credit to God. We know this man is an imposter. He replied, I know nothing about that one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind and now I see. They said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you over and over and you haven't listened. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples? With that, they jumped all over him. You might be a disciple of that man, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even came from. The man replied, that is amazing. You claim to know nothing about him, but the fact is he opened my eyes. It's well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind has never been heard of, ever. If that, this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, you're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? And they threw him out onto the streets. In other versions, they said, you're steeped in sin from birth. Probably just like that. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe. Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe, the man said, and worshipped Jesus. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Some Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? Jesus said, if you were really blind, you would be blameless. But since you claim to see everything so well, you're accountable for every fault and failure. Please feel free to read it in other versions, but I just thought it was just... Eugene Peterson has a way of just telling the story, doesn't he? A joke to begin with. Watson and Holmes. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson go camping. If you've heard it before, please laugh loudly. <laughs> Not now, later. After sharing a good meal and a bottle of wine... Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson returned to their tent for the night. About 3 a.m., Holmes nudges Watson and asks, Watson, look up into the sky and tell me what you see. Watson says, wow, I see a fantastic panorama of countless stars. And Holmes says, and what does that tell you? Watson replies, astronomically, it tells me there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Theologically, it tells me that God is great and we're small and insignificant. Horologically, it tells me that it must be about three in the morning. Meteorologically, the blackness of the sky and the Christmas of the stellar images tell me that there is low humidity and stable air and therefore we are most likely to enjoy a beautiful day tomorrow. Why? What does it tell you, Holmes? You idiot, Watson. Tells me someone's stolen our tent. <laughs> Boom. 
Thank you for your generosity. What do you see? What the blind man saw. John writes his gospel so that you will continue to believe in Jesus. He writes his gospel so that you will believe in Jesus. He writes his gospel so that you will see Jesus for who he really is. That's the purpose of the gospel. John loves to talk about signs. These were the things that Jesus did that pointed to who he was. This is the sixth sign in John's gospel. The first one was Jesus turning water into wine in Cana. The second, healing the official sin who was dying. The third was healing the paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda. The fourth was feeding the 5,000. The fifth was walking on the water. And this is the sixth, healing a man blind from birth. So when John wants to explain what Jesus means by I'm the bread of life, he tells us the story that Jesus fed the 5,000 miraculously. This healing illustrates what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world. Because Jesus can open eyes that are blind. And the themes of blindness and sight and day and night and light and dark permeate this whole passage. It's just a fantastic story. John says that Jesus and the disciples were walking down the street. And as they went along, they encounter this blind man begging. And John tells us that he had been blind from birth. And the disciples who are with Jesus, and you imagine, put yourself in their place. They're walking with Jesus, seeing him do the most amazing things, hearing what he said, and they're full of questions. Because questions are good. And they have a question for Jesus about this man who was blind from birth. Who sinned? That he's in this condition. Who sinned? Is it his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be blind from birth? Because somewhere along the line, the disciples had picked up this false teaching that suffering and sin were connected. That actually the condition of this man was a result of God's judgment of his sin. Or if it wasn't his sin... His parents sinned because he was born blind. And we, sitting here in the 21st century, might think that's a wacky idea. Yet the idea is permeating through our culture all the time. Have you never heard of the idea of karma? Not heard the phrase, bad karma, good karma, the unstoppable chain of cause and effect running from past lives through the present into the future one. Never heard of it? That if you do something good, it will have a ripple effect. If you do something bad, it will come back to bite you. No? I remember an ex-football manager of the English team being sacked after making it public that he 
believed that people who suffered from birth defects and disabilities were being punished for sins that they had committed in a former life. Do you not remember that? Where had he got that teaching from? Where had he picked it up? There are similar beliefs held in Eastern traditions, in the New Age movement, in just the folklore of the land in which we live now. I've met people who believe that the things that they are experiencing, if it's bad, is that God is punishing them. Or that if they've been through a traumatic event in their lives, God is somehow so displeased with them that he wants bad for them. I've even met Christians who actually would say that, you know, they're sometimes scared if everything's going well in their lives. Because they think, well, God can't want that for them. And it's a pack of lies. God loves every single one that he's made. He has come to rescue us because we live in a broken, fallen world where there is sin and suffering and pain and death. But he is the light of the world. He is the hope of the world. He is love in himself. And the Bible teaches us that we are individuals, distinct, unique, loved by God. Each one of us made in his image, made for a relationship with God. We have not had a former life. We will live forever if we trust in Jesus because he's coming again to make a new heaven and a new earth. That's his promise. But he has come to rescue us. Yes, each individual is responsible to God for his or her own life. And things are done to us by others that affect our lives, without a doubt. But Jesus' response to his disciples, and I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. And we love finding someone to blame. That's part of our culture. We want someone to blame. Dare you to go and watch the television for an hour and a half and not see an advert with finding someone to blame for something. Did you trip up at church today? <laughs> Clergy for you. We will sort it out. Dodgy coffee. You're asking the wrong question and you're looking for someone to blame. Instead, look at what God can do. I'm the light of the world. And Jesus proceeds to call the man who was born blind and he heals him. And I know we get blasé about Jesus doing this kind of stuff, but he heals a man who was born blind. Has anyone ever heard of that? Amazing. The method is quite interesting though, isn't it? I mean, Jesus spits on the ground. We won't do a demonstration, but he, he spits on the ground, makes some mud or paste, and puts it on the man's eyes and sends him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And John helpfully says, Siloam means scent. Jesus sends him to the pool means scent. 
And we remember that that's the pool where the priests got the water out on the Feast of Tabernacles on the last and greatest day of the feast and poured it out when Jesus said, come to me all who are thirsty. Streams of living water will flow from within him. He sends him to the pool and wash. Why? I don't know. Jesus could have just said, be healed. And I'm sure that would have done the trick. He could have just laid his hands on the blind man and I'm sure he would have been healed. Some people have said, well, Jesus gives the man something to do, to respond. Some people have said it's the dust of the ground making you know, that connection that we are formed from the dust of the ground. Others have talked about the belief in the healing property of saliva. I think Jesus would say, you're missing the point. Dr. Watson, you've missed the point. The man is healed. He was born blind and now he can see. Who is this who can do this? That's the question. Look at what God can do. He can open the eyes of the blind. He turns water into wine. He can heal the sick, walk on water, feed the hungry, raise the dead. Who is he? That's what John wants you to to grapple with when you're reading his gospel. So often we love it, don't we? Let's let's go down a, a tangent. Let's ask some question that we know we'll never get an answer to. It's brilliant on Alpha when we have that. Half the time, we're we're answering questions there is no answer to. The real question is, what do you make of Jesus? And then the focus of the story turns to the man who was blind, who now sees, and into a series of interviews or interrogations. And throughout this, John weaves into the story of how the man comes to faith in Jesus. Just be mindful of that, weaving through the story. Firstly, it's his neighbors. His neighbors and his friends who used to see him begging. Isn't that the man who used to sit and beg? And others say, no, it can't be him. It just looks like him. It can't be him because he was blind. And the man's saying, hello, it's me. And they say, how were you healed? And he says, the man They call Jesus because he's not seen Jesus yet. You get that, don't you? He hasn't seen Jesus yet. Made some mud, put it on my eyes and said, go and wash. Sometimes people can't believe the transformation that Jesus makes in a life. Christians are transformed people. Followers of Jesus are transformed people. We were once in darkness, we're now in light. We were once unforgiven, now we're forgiven. We have been transformed. And sometimes it's really spectacular and other times it's really gentle and, you know, day by day, he changes us. His friends, so-called friends, I mean, if you've got friends like this, you don't need enemies. They say, this needs investigating. Let's take him to the Pharisees. What a great idea. Let's take him to the Pharisees. So they do. And John tells us, at this point, it was the Sabbath. That's not going to be good, is it? 
I mean, whenever Jesus does something on the Sabbath, it always causes trouble. And the Pharisees ask him to explain the whole story again. And all they see, I met this man Jesus, he made some mud, put it in my eyes, I went and washed, I was blind, but now I see, and all they can say, on the Sabbath? He's a lawbreaker, he's made clay on the Sabbath, that means he's worked, no building on the Sabbath. He has healed someone. You're only allowed to give medical attention on the Sabbath if it is life-threatening. You've been blind from birth. You could have waited another day. And he's anointed someone's eyes on the Sabbath, which again, for some obscure reason, was breaking the law. It's mad, isn't it? These were the religious people. But it divided opinion because some said, this man is not from God because he breaks the law, therefore he's a sinner. Others were saying, how can a sinner do such things? Because only God can do something like that. So they turned back to the man. What do you think? What do you have to say about this man? And the man says, he's a prophet. Do you notice he's already moved? When he was first asked by his neighbors, the man Jesus did this. Now in front of the Pharisees saying, he must be a prophet because he must be from God. He's already moved. Jesus must be from God. The Pharisees actually don't believe the miracle has actually happened. This guy's a fake. Didn't really happen. You're just pretending. You've been begging since you were born, pretending you could not see, but you've been able to see. I mean, how ridiculous is that? So they call his parents in. I mean, it gets really like a farce, doesn't it? They call his parents, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How was he healed? Don't know. Ask him. He's old enough. John tells us, helpfully, they were afraid to identify themselves with Jesus because they'd been threatened with excommunication, being put out of the synagogue, put out of the fellowship, put out of the community. Being put out of the synagogue means that you were shunned by the community. The whole community would know that you had been blacklisted. That was the threat that was already around. Anyone who associated with Jesus, you're out. So they call the man back in. Give glory to God. Give credit to God. What they're saying is, you're on oath now. Give God all the glory or else. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner or an imposter. See, they try and build a wedge between Jesus and God. Jesus is God in the flesh. They can't see it. What does the man say? I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's his testimony. That's his testimony. Sometimes we will not be able to convince. I mean, I spend my life trying to convince people about Jesus. All the arguments in and out. Very 
seldom do we convince people through argument. But one thing they cannot deny is that Jesus changed my life. Once I did not know him, and now I know him, and I am changed. This man says, I don't know whether he's a sinner or an imposter or whatever, but what I do know is I was blind, but now I see. And they push it again. Tell us how he did it then. I mean, what, what did he do? What, what were the mechanics of it? Did he say a special word? What, I mean, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And the bloke goes, not again. I've told you already. Do you want to become his disciples too? <gasps> That's a bad move. Red rag, bull. And they begin hurling insults at the man. His disciple? We're disciples of Moses. Yet if you actually read Moses' words, he points to Jesus. As for this man, we have no idea where he came from. And I love this next bit when the man replies to them and he says, that is remarkable. That is amazing. You don't know where he comes from, but he opened my eyes. Who's ever heard of that? Now, you may see miracles every day. I don't. I'd love to see more. But that is incredible. And they really go for him. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They just couldn't see it. Not only they couldn't see it, they refused to see it. There is a hardness of heart there that is unfathomable. I mean, if you harden your heart to God that much, I mean, you can harden your heart to God. He still loves you. He wants to break through, but you can harden your heart so much that you just refuse to see, no matter what evidence there is. And the wonderful thing in this story is that Jesus finds the man. At that point, I wrote down, wow. Jesus went and found him. He goes looking for every single one of us. He pursues every single one of us. But if we harden our hearts, he won't barge in, obviously but he pursues and he knocks on the door of our lives. I am convinced of that. Jesus looks for us and he meets the man who is blind and who can now see and he has something more to share. Do you believe in the Son of Man? That's the favorite phrase that Jesus uses of himself. Son, he is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, the man says, and he says, I am he. Don't you recognize my voice? This is the first time he's seen Jesus. He's heard his voice, but he's not seen him. And he says, Lord, Master, I believe. And he worshipped him. This is significant. This is a Jewish man worshipping Jesus. 
And Jesus doesn't so, hang on, you're going way over the top now, just because I healed you. Don't. Not a bit of it. Jesus is God. And the man worships him. Lord, I believe. And that's how the story ends, with a man worshipping Jesus in wide-eyed faith. The wonderful thing about Jesus is the more we know about him, the greater he is to us. The more we know, the greater he is. Works in reverse with some of us. I guess the more you knew me, the more you think, oh, he's not so great after all. <laughs> you know, a few weaknesses and failures, you ask Hermie. That's the way it works with us. It's opposite with Jesus. The more you know him, the more you worship him. The more you see of him, the more you want to see of him. The more that you recognize about him, the greater he is. And you'll never get the end of it. Remember the man? He said, oh, the man Jesus. No, he's a prophet from God. Do you want to become one of his disciples too? Being a worshipper of Jesus. Where are you on the scale? Do you just think Jesus is a good man? Do you believe he's a prophet from God? Are you his disciple? Are you a worshipper of Jesus? Where you would say, he is first number one in my life, I would give everything for him. Right at this moment, if I had to choose, if I had to choose, I would give it all up for him. We've prayed for our brothers and sisters in Syria because that's what they're asked every day. Radical discipleship. John records these things that we may see. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, yes, you are blind because you claim to see and you don't. You don't. Jesus is amazing. And I know he loves me because the Bible tells me so. And it's true. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and on that scale, you were not yet a follower of Jesus or someone who would say, yes, I worship him and I put him first. Maybe today, just through reading the Bible together and just through the work of the Spirit, you want to say today, yes, I want to put Jesus first in my life and I will worship him. Then I encourage you to take that step of faith this morning. Just ask Jesus to come and be number one in your life. If you've been a Christian for some time, but that faith just needs renewing again, just come, take a fresh look at Jesus. Be amazed again at who he is. His amazing love for you. If you need healing this morning, then as we worship, I encourage you, just come to the front and be prayed for. If you have any need that you would like prayer for, just come to the front, be prayed for. As we spend these next few minutes worshiping together, 
responding just as the blind man did, worshipping Jesus for who he is, for what he has done. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, fill this place this morning, fill our lives that we may see Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.